Amen. Tell your neighbor the Lord is good. Actually, as we were singing, even this last song, that there is Jehovah, nothing is too hard for him, not even sickness. <clears throat> I was even as we were worshiping, I was thinking about how great the Lord is and how good God is. And I will never trade him for anything. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I will never trade the Lord for anything. So there are many things that would compete for our attention. Many things that would want us to prioritize them above God. But we'll never treasure anything beyond God. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So in what you do, you can see where your treasure is. It's like, because it's sunny today, some people think it's nice to be at the beach. But you think, I should be in church. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So it means even in what we prioritize in life, depends on where your treasure is. Sometimes you look at people and you think, even in, in, in church, and you think, this one is not so serious. It's like they haven't found the treasure yet. Once you find the treasure of the kingdom of God, you will say, I will never trade it for anything else. I want us to start at the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 44 to 46 in the Amplified Classic. <clears throat> and uh, I want you to look at this because today I want us to look at how Jesus values the kingdom and he wants us to value the kingdom of God like that. Sometimes you find that we've got more things that we treasure more than God, more than the kingdom of God. That's why we can trade the kingdom for anything else. But look at what Jesus says here in Matthew 13, 44 to 46, Amplified Classic. The kingdom of heaven is like something precious, buried in a field. What is the kingdom of God like? Something precious. Other versions will say the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. What happens with that? Which a man found and hid again, and then in his joy, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. Did you see that? So in other words, it says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hid in a field. It's like something precious that is buried in a field and you go there and you get that treasure and you realize I will go and sell everything I have so that I can buy this field so that I can have this treasure. Now, look, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who is a, a dealer in search of a fine and precious pearls who on finding a single pearl of great price went and sold all he had and bought it. I want you to look at this and think closely. Do you treasure the kingdom of God more than anything else? Or do we have our gods? Do you know why God is a jealous God and said we should not worship any other God? It's because anything that to you is a first priority, that's your God. Amen. And God is a jealous God. 
He wants to be first in everything. Thanks, Elder. Elder was encouraging us to say, let God be first in everything, even in your finances. So when wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What is first in your life? Is it God or is it all these other things? Because if it's these other things, those things are becoming your God. Amen. I think we need to do an introspection and know, is God first in my life? Is the kingdom of God first in everything? That's why the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. So if it says, seek ye first, so it means every day my first priority is the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. But now, I want us today to look at this challenge. Because, because of the many things, you will have to make a lot of sacrifice to really stick with the kingdom and rather count everything else as nothing. It's like when Paul says, I count everything as loss for the sake of winning Christ. My treasure is Jesus above everything else. Now Jesus is going to give a challenge. I've got several scriptures where Jesus is just showing us a challenge that if you are not fully committed to him, you will easily be swayed. You will treasure other things more than him. Let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 14. Verse 25 to 28, we'll do it in the contemporary English version, C-E-V. When I'm going to read this, I want you to look at this closely and see why other things would compete for your attention. And you end up treasuring them more than God. Then once I read this, then I will give you the title for our sermon today. Luke 14, 25 to 28, contemporary English version reads, Large crowds were walking along with Jesus when he turned and said, Now listen to Jesus. You cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than you love your father and mother, your wife and children, brothers and sisters. You cannot be my follower unless you love me more than you love your own life. I want you to look at this and see, because today I want us to talk about the cost of following Jesus. Amen? In other words, we want you to move from that way of saving God out of convenience, but you're saving God because you love him with all your heart. Amen? Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than you love your father and mother, your wife and children, your brothers and sisters. Which means there are many things that can compete with God in your life. Is God first? After everybody tried to compete with God, sometimes it's even your children or your parents. And then God wants you to do this, but your parents want to do this. Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple, you cannot be my follower, unless you love me more than you love your father and your mother. He even says, unless you love me more than your wife and children. <laughs> There's something that uh, Pastor Josephine, my wife, said the other time. We keep on saying this thing. She said, when I was a youth, I was praying that God give me a husband who loves you more than he loves me. 
And I said, you got one. <laughs> Amen. She's not here today. She's in Limpopo. But I thought, you got one. Because if the problem with most of us, why our things don't work, we love our things more than we love God. We love each other more than we love God. So it means when there is a contradiction between God and the thing you love, we're going to see where your allegiance is. So Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than your father and mother, your wife and children. Do you know all these things are people that God gave us? So he says, you cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than your father and mother, your wife and your children, and your brothers and sisters. You cannot follow me unless you love me more than you love your own life. I want us to look at this challenge because some of us, especially here in South African context, we, love, we, we, we serve God out of convenience. We are not even persecuted for being a Christian. Do you know that there were people who would be killed for saying they are sticking with Jesus? Now, for us who don't even have challenge like that, you find that it's minor things. Hmm? I've got visitors today, so I can't go to church. He says, you cannot be my follower, you cannot be my disciple if you love, you don't love, unless you love me more than you love anything else. So this is a challenge for all of us. Do you love God above everything else? It's very easy to say it with your mouth, that I love you with my whole heart. But we will see what you love most when that which you say you love with your whole heart competes with other things. So when other things come in your life to compete for your attention with God, what would you give your attention to? Amen. You cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than you love your own life. You cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than you love your father, your mother, and your children. And he says, you cannot follow me unless you love me more than you love your own life. Now, I want you to look at verse 27. You cannot be my disciple unless you carry your own cross and follow me. You know, a cross is not a pleasure. Amen. So it means in our, you see, some of us, I mean, especially in the Hawaiian context, like I'm saying, we've got it very simple to be a Christian. You don't even sweat to, to fight for it. But the things that are competing with God are very minor that you should have been easily overcoming them. Okay? So he says, you cannot be my disciple unless you carry your own cross and follow me. So carrying your own cross, each one of us, we've got our own cross that you need to carry and say, Lord, I'm prepared to sacrifice all these things for the sake of your kingdom. I know these things want me to treasure them more than I treasure you, but you alone deserves my whole attention, my whole love. I love you with all my heart. I love you with all my strength. I love you with all my soul, with everything that is in me. Then verse 28, 
Okay, I think <coughs> he says, verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. What is the first thing you will do? Won't you sit down and figure out how much it will cost and if you have enough money to pay for it? In other words, as we want to follow the Lord, is Jesus really first in your life? Or are you serving him out of convenience? Last week we were saying because the weather was not so good, uh, then I don't have to go to church. Some of you even say, I can't go to church because it's far. Look at those things and compare with the treasure. Did you really find the treasure? Because you remember the verse we read at first. It said, the kingdom of God is like a treasure hid in a field. Which when you find that treasure, you are prepared to sell anything else for the sake of getting that treasure. So the question becomes, did you really have an encounter with Jesus? Have re you really accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? The reason why sometimes you have to be pushed, you have to be forced to do this and this, is because you didn't have an encounter with the Lord. You are trying to serve God for the sake of people. If I don't go to church, so and so will phone me. You are not yet there. You need to come to that point where you say, I love God with all my heart, that even if people around me were to desert the Lord, I will continue loving God. Amen? Amen. Let's go together to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Because here now in Hebrews chapter 12 from verse 1 to verse 4, I'll do it in the Good News translation. As I'm talking about the cost of following Jesus, I want you to see, like I said, in other places, people had to be, would even be killed, would be persecuted. If you read in the book of Acts, you will see how Christians were persecuted for saving Jesus, for saying you want to stand for Jesus. There are counties today where if you say you are a Christian openly, they will even kill you. But we've got it so simple. And the things that are competing with God are minor things. Do we really love God? Do we really love God to the point that you would even be prepared to die for the Lord if you were told, uh, desert Jesus, deny Jesus, then we'll leave, let you leave? I mean, if simpler things, not even your life, are making you to attach yourself to them more than to God, how much do you think it will be when you are now challenged? Deny Jesus or we'll kill you. It would be very simple, isn't it? <laughs> eh? You can measure that easily. I mean, those other things that are making you choose them more than you choose Jesus, they are not even a threat to your life. But there are people who stood for their faith even when they were going to be killed, even when they were going to be tortured. So read it with me in Hebrews 12, 1-4, I'll read in the Good News Translation. Because usually we only look at the part about looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We don't go down. I want us to go down now to verse 4, the whole 1 to 4 in good news. It says, as for us, we have this large crowd of witnesses around us. So then, let us rid ourselves of everything that gets in the way. Anything that gets in the way. And of the sin which holds onto us so tightly. And let us run with determination the race that lies before us. So run with determination the race that is laid before you. 
Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to the end. He did not give up because of the cross. On the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross and is now seated at the right hand of God's throne. Think of what he went through. Okay? Think of what he went through. How he put up with so much hatred from sinners. So don't let yourselves become discouraged and give up. Now, verse 4. For in your struggle against sin, you have not yet had to resist to the point of being killed. Did you see that? So, Hebrews, in chapter 11, it tells us about how those who went before us by faith did this, by faith did this. But some of them were threatened that we will kill you. You need to deny Jesus. But they stood their ground. Some of them, they were even killed for the sake of the gospel. But they still stood. Okay? Now he says, you have not yet, for in your struggle against sin, you have not yet had to resist to the point of being killed. So are we really so serious that, because if you can't overcome these simple ones, how much more when you are threatened that if you don't deny Jesus, we're going to kill you? Can I just give you a practical example? Okay, I'll give you two practical examples. One, there's a certain religion you would know when I say those people don't compromise. Even the government would have to give them time on Fridays to go and pray. They don't compromise what they believe. But you find that for you, you got a treasure, but you can compromise for anything when you've got a treasure. Did you really get a treasure that you would be prepared to sell everything else like Jesus said? Maybe you didn't get a treasure. That's why you still behave the way you do. Okay? The other one, I think all of us we know, and that statement always encourages me. The statement that uh, our late president Nelson Mandela made when he was still tried and he was sentenced for life, and then he spoke many things, but the thing for me that always resonates well with me is to say, if you have a conviction about something, he said it is an ideal for which I hope to live for and see realized. But my Lord, if needs be, it is the ideal for which I am prepared to die. And he was telling people whom he knew could kill him. You see, when you come to that point and you say, I'm not budging on this one. Do what you want. I'm not budging on this one. It means you are assured of your conviction. But now, look at how we take lightly our Christian walk. Did we really find the treasure? Because even without any challenge on your Christian walk, you are very casual about your Christianity. You're still playing double standards. One foot on, one foot out. Did you really get a treasure? Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 27 in the New Living Translation. Because you will see with the many verses that I'm going to give you that for Jesus, this is a very serious matter. 
And Jesus is our example. And whatever he wants from us, let us be prepared to do everything we can to do that for him. He has died for us. Okay? We said he died for me on Calvary. So he did everything for me. He is my healer. Like we said when we began here, it's so much of a treasure that he, nothing is too hard for him. He's my healer. He's my protector. He died for me. I was supposed to die for my own sins, but he died for my sins. So why can't I do everything I can for him? Matthew 16, 24 to 27, New Living Translation. Then Jesus said to his disciples, see, he's again talking to his disciples. So when he talks to disciples, it's like he's talking to us here who are his followers. If any of you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. You see, he's reiterating that thing. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is anything more than your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Why are we sticking? clinging to these things and we will end up losing, you will end up losing your soul. Many people who are rejecting Jesus today is because they treasure other things more than God and they will even end up having to be to perish and to go for eternal condemnation because they treasure other things more than Jesus. So Jesus says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? I don't think so. He says, For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. You see, the other thing about this treasure, it's not only a treasure in that you get divine health, protection, prosperity, and all that, but it's also an eternal treasure. That you'll spend eternity with the Lord. Sometimes we forget that, but we forget that Jesus is coming back. And we are so busy with our other errands, our other agendas. And we miss out on the kingdom. Actually, there is this uh, story of a certain man who, let me see, maybe we need to go there. Or I'll just refer to it. Yeah, no, I've got it. Let me go for it first, and then I'll come back. Uh, let me see. <coughs> it's Luke chapter 12, verse 15 to 21. I want you to look at how Jesus compares if you treasure something more than you treasure God or you treasure the kingdom of God. You are forgetting that all these other things, we will leave them here on the earth. I told you the other time that when people die, even if you have a mansion, even if you have got a big car, even if you've got this, we don't give them to you to go with. So it means the only eternal investment you can make is in the kingdom of God. 
Because it's a treasure that's more valuable in this life and even in the life to come. So listen to what Jesus says when he's proving this point even more. Luke chapter 12, verse 15 to 21, NLT. Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. That's not the standard. You know, sometimes we strive for a lot of things to an extent that we end up losing our souls because we are going for things. So he says, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. Look at this story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know I will tear down my barns and build big one, bigger ones. Then I will have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I will sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. Did you see what this guy just said? After amassing everything. But listen to what Jesus says, verse 20. But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night. Who then will get everything you worked for? Verse 21, yes. A person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Did you see that? It's Jesus, it's not me. He says, if you treasure anything more than you treasure God, it's foolishness because you can lose all those things. You can even lose your life and then you depart and then you haven't stored treasure in the heavenlies. So it means the kingdom of God has to be number one. Whatever price it takes to pay, I'm prepared to pay it. Anything that is worthwhile is worth the cost. Okay? You should be prepared to pay the price. Because if we don't do that, you are going to find that many things come in and they take our attention. Even when the word is preached, that's why I said, sometimes you sit and you think, did this person really accept the same Lord that I've accepted? Do they really have a treasure? Do they really have a treasure that they know if they lose it, it's such a great loss? I told you that Paul says, I count everything as dung, as rubbish, as garbage, for the sake of winning Christ. Now, I think this is a challenge. Jesus is saying, I want your whole attention. Now, listen, listen to this with me in the book of Mark chapter 4. Verse 14 to 20, because I'll read in the NLT. In this one, Jesus is sharing with us how we all receive the kingdom in different ways, even receiving the word. Like now when I'm preaching like this, you are receiving it in different ways. Okay? Some of you are saying, this is the word I needed for my life. And you are already adjusting some of the things to put the kingdom of God first. But some of you are thinking, when is the church going to finish? Why is it not just an hour? Then you don't have a treasure. <laughs> That's why you think like that. There is no treasure to protect. 
But if you know I've got a treasure and I want to hear more of this, how can I protect the treasure that I have? Now listen to this. In Mark chapter 4, verse 14 to 20, it's after Jesus had given them a parable about the sower. He says, when the sower is sowing the seed, some seed fall by the wayside. Some fall along the path. Some fall on stony ground. Some fall among thorns. And some fall in good soil. But now he explains it in Mark chapter 4, verse 14 to 20 NLT. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come and at once take it away. So it means even when I'm preaching, some of you, by the time the church is over, the word is already taken. And every, anything you can think of. And now, unfortunately, your pastor doesn't joke much. So there's no joke to carry home. <laughs> but usually you would find if pastors also put joke, the thing you have caught is the joke. <laughs> what was the message about today? Hey, no, that, that, that was a very good joke, man. What did you get that would really make you keep that treasure? So he says for some, the word is, 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 is stolen immediately. It doesn't even have time to grow. So it's like, think of it this way. So when he was explaining, he said, the seed that fell by the wayside. Imagine if I now I try to plant seeds and I scatter like this and a seed fall on the wayside, the footpath. What usually happens, the birds see it straight away, isn't it? They come and eat it. So it's gone before it even tries to grow, try to germinate. Now, verse 16. The seed on rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. So now, the second group of people, think about if you are planting a seed and then it's rocky ground, there's a little bit of soil but it's not enough for the roots to go deep so that seed at least it cannot be seen by the birds but when it wants to start now germinating it doesn't have strong roots so now jesus says so they receive the word with joy but since they don't have deep roots they don't last long they fall away as long as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing the god God's word. You see the second group. You hear the word and you are very happy. After church you say, I'm very happy. Sure, the Lord is good and I've received this message. But you reach home and then you start seeing challenges that are now challenging whether you will stand in the word that you heard. Now you give up. Which means you did not have roots. Okay? So now you need to be careful. Am I like the seed on the path? Am I like the seed on stony ground that I receive the word quickly but when persecutions come, when problems come, I end up trading Jesus for all the other things. By the way, do you know that there are people who when they have problems, that's, they think that is the time to leave the Lord. That's the bad time to leave God when you have a problem. Because then your problem will finish it. So actually when you have a challenge and you are having all those challenges, that's the best time to be closer to God. Because your only hope now is God. Amen. Verse 18. This is the one that 
I think most Christians fall in this group, especially those who say they love God. The seed that fell among the thorns represent others who hear God's word. But all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. Okay. Think about the seed that is sown among thorns. You know if you sow the seed, let's just think about the seed that's sown among weed. The only reason why you weed out weed is so that it can grow well, isn't it? Your, your plants. Now if it's among the weeds, what happens? Does that plant die? If it's among the weeds. It doesn't die. So you will still be coming to church. But the many things that are around you, they are choking the word that is in you and you cannot bear fruit. But you're still standing. You're still there. You know, like usually among the weeds, you know it even, it's even very tall. You even go tall and thin. And, but there's no fruit. Okay? And what causes that? What causes that? He says, is there? So I will do it in this version and I don't know if uh, I see Mr. MJ. Mr. MJ is not here. I think he's babysitting. By the way, the MJs have got a baby. <laughs> so may, may, maybe overslept. So it's, it's, it's the first experience. So because I want somebody to also read this one, verse 19. Because for me, in this translation I have, it says, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, the desire for other things. You can look at it in your own fashion. What are those things that are choking the word that you have, that are choking the treasure that you have? And weed them out. Weed them off. Okay? Tell your neighbor, weed out everything that's choking the treasure in you. You see, for me, this treasure is so, it's, it's so precious. That's why Jesus said, unless you love me more than... So this treasure for me is so serious that even if my children or my wife or anybody else say, no, we are deserting the Lord and you need to stop, I can't stop. Because for me, it's a treasure and I love God with all my heart. Amen. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept the word, God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 as much as had been planted. Now you see that we all have different priorities. But there are many things that can compete with the treasure that we have found. And then if you are not careful, those things are going to squash the treasure and you will bear no fruit. You will be a Christian who is still coming, at least that's why I said the one among thorns. The good one about that one is that that one didn't die. So the, the devil didn't manage to get you out of church. But you're bearing no fruit. Okay? But there is hope because if we weed off the, these things, you can bear fruit again. Amen? So that's why I think when we talk about 
the cost of following Jesus. There are even other things, even beside being persecuted, even beside being killed for the gospel's sake, there are many things that are competing for the attention with God. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Verse 31 to 33 in the contemporary English version. Matthew 6, 31 to 33, contemporary English version. Look at this. He says, don't worry and ask yourselves, will we have anything to eat? Will we have anything to drink? We will, have, will we have any clothes to wear? Verse 32. Only people who don't know God are always worrying about such things. <laughs> you see what, what, how Jesus was very straightforward. He says, if you're, worrying, if you're still worrying about these things, it's things that people of the world are worrying about. Your Father in heaven knows you need all these things. But more than anything else, put God's work first and do what he wants. Then the other things will be yours as well. I like this. I like to, priority the kingdom of, to prioritize the kingdom of God first. And then he didn't say if I prioritize the kingdom of God first, all the other things will go to unbelievers. He says, I know you have need of them. Just get your priorities right. Put me first. And all the other things will be added to you. So I think it's a challenge for all of us to say, is God first in my life? Is God number one in my life? That's why that scripture in Deuteronomy 14.23 in the TLB, when it talks about tithing, it says the purpose of tithing is to teach you to put God first in your life. So in other words, even when I have many other things, before I think of paying that or doing that or doing that, I say, God, you are first, even in my finances, God first. And then I will do the rest. But sometimes you would find that we have, we treasure every other thing and God last. That's why then you end up having no room for him. Because then all the things you have, you've treasured everything and then there's nothing to give to God. Even in terms of our time. Do you know that sometimes we give God crumbs in terms of time? You get busy with many other things and you do everything else. Only when you are tired now you think of studying the word. Only when you are tired now you think of praying. Only when you are tired now you think of going to church. And then you come and sleep. You see. So it means we need to treasure God first. Amen. He is first. Can we all say he is first? He is number one in my life. Amen. Let's treasure him above everything else. So he says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. So it's not like because I'm treasuring God above everything else, the other things I won't have. The other time I was just thinking, in terms of the worldly things, I personally feel I've achieved everything I want. I don't have many, any other desires for things that I would say I still need this, I still need that. My desire now is about the kingdom. I want to see the house of the Lord built. I want to see people coming to the Lord, I want to see. So my desire is about his kingdom. But fortunately, even now when I'm focusing on him, 
He still takes care of me. Amen. You remember Adam in the Garden of Eden. God said it's not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And then God made Adam to start working. And then he said, name the animals. And God did not forget that he was going to provide Adam with a wife. So he was busy naming the animals. After that, then God put him into a deep sleep and then took a rib and made a woman for him. Which means God is working behind the scenes. Even when I'm busy with his kingdom, he is sorting my issues. So I put God and his kingdom first and all the other things are getting added. The problem with some of you is that you are chasing after things. That's why you will never catch them. You know what is the best strategy of getting things? Deuteronomy 28 says, All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you as you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. As I obey God, as I diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord my God, things are following me. Amen? Blessings are following me. But I follow the Lord. Amen? But if you try to chase after things, if you try to chase after blessings, if you try to chase after that, you will never catch them. The better part is chase after God. Seek God first. Seek his kingdom first. Every morning when you wake up, Lord, what is it that I need to do for you? And when you're doing that, do you think God will not do everything else for you when you are always focusing on his kingdom? So that's why he says, if you seek first God and his kingdom, all the other things will be added. Now, with some of us, why many things? We've got so many things that we treasure that we put the kingdom of God second. Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 9. Verse 59 to 62, New Living Translation, NLT. Look at this. This is serious, guys, because Jesus even gave an example the other time about a rich young ruler. The one guy was very rich. He came, he said, what can I do to inherit eternal life? We'll pick it up next week, that part of verse. And then Jesus said, he loved him. He started by saying, keep the commandments. The guy said, I've done all that. The Bible says, God loved, Jesus loved him. And then he said, go and sell everything you have. And come and follow me. Ish. That was difficult. So Jesus could see that this one is not ready yet for the kingdom because his heart is still attached to things. Amen. Now look at this. Luke 9, 59 to 62, New Living Translation. He said to another person, come follow me. <laughs> okay. So it's like Jesus making an invitation to us. Come follow me. The man agreed. But he said, Lord, First, let me return home and bury my father. Did you see that? Huh. It says, Jesus invited him, and the man agreed. But he said, Lord, first. What should be first? What should be first? The kingdom. Now, what is first here with this man? Burying his father. He says, Lord, First, let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. <laughs> Did you see how Jesus answered that one? I would have been more lenient than Jesus. 
I would have thought, no, it makes sense. I mean, you can go and bury your father and then you will come later. But Jesus says, I don't want anything to be first. If you want to follow me, you follow me first. It's the kingdom of God first. So then he said, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, Lord, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, <laughs> you see this first, and you're laughing at these guys, but you are also doing the same thing. When Jesus wants you to put him first, you say, Lord, I understand that, but first. I understand, I love you, but first. So Jesus is giving this example. This other one says, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Amen. When you now say you are coming to the Lord and you want to go for God, no more turning back. Amen. You say, I'm sold out. I'm completely committed to this cause. I'm not going to look back. You know how Lord's wife became the pillar of salt? Because she looked back. She was now thinking about the many things that she might be losing there. But they were told, run for your life. Okay? So, it's your life first. It's the commandment of God first. But now as they were walking, I don't know what attracted her to look back. She looked back. What happened? She became the pillar of salt on the spot. Don't look back. Amen? You've got a treasure. Run the race that's ahead of you with patience. Don't let things on your side or things at your back derail you. Focus on the kingdom. Because it says anyone who puts your hand on a plow and look back, then you are not fit for the kingdom. Because when we come for the things of faith, we must not be keeping on looking back. As if you have left something so precious. You know some people will tell you, hey, I think my friends are enjoying themselves now out there. As if you've left something so important. Now if you turn back and look back there, you become a pillar of salt. Because there is something more precious ahead of you. Amen. The life that you have received now in the Lord is more precious than anything else. Amen. The devil will try to tell you, no, it's more, it's more better there. Things are nicer there. You know, even the children of Israel, even when they were in the desert, they were keeping on saying, it was better in Egypt. Amen. As for me, I'm no more turning back. Can we all say, as for me, I'm no more turning back. Amen. I'm committed to this cause. Amen. I'm committed to this cause. This, I'm prepared to live for this with every ounce of my being. And if need be, then I can even die for it. Because this is something that I'm fully committed to. And I'm not going to sacrifice, compromise on it. Amen. So now if you look at Hebrews, so let's start winding down. We'll pick it up next week, but let me take 
two or three scriptures as we descend, and then we'll land with this, and then we'll pick it up. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37 to 39, New King James Version. It reads, For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come, and will not tarry. So it's reminding us that the Lord is coming. Tell your neighbor, the Lord is coming. He's coming back. He's coming back. Sometimes we do things as if the Lord is not coming back. That's why our attention, we have divided attention. We are busy with so many things and not the kingdom. Okay? Now, for yet a little while and who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So if anyone draws back, so you must never look back, you must never draw back. May you always go forward. May you stay fully connected to the Lord. Verse 39, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of souls. Amen. Because there is so much for me in the kingdom. That I'm going to keep on running this race. I'm not going to allow anybody to disturb my focus on the race. You know people who are good athletes. People who are good runners. I think we've got some runners here among us. <laughs> uh, I think Mr. Mshanganyis, do you still run? I don't know. But runners usually, if you want to win, you must focus on the goal, on your race. But if you are a runner and you're keeping on checking things, especially for a sprint, I told you the other time how I used to always come last. Okay? Because instead of focusing on my race, I'm checking who's passing. Until when I checked, there was nobody. Amen? So it means even in our own life, may you focus on your race. Galatians 5, 7 and 8. NIV says, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. So it means some of us, we have started well in our race. But we're no longer running well now. Okay? Some... You didn't start well, but you've got an opportunity to run well. Do you know that in a race, what counts is not how you started. It's how you finish. Amen? What counts in a race is not how you started, it's how you finish. So we all have a chance to finish on a high. Amen? If you were running well, according to Paul, the Galatians started running well, but now there were many things. You know that some of us, when we accepted Jesus, it was a happy day. Happy day. When I was born again. So it was a pleasurable moment. But now all of a sudden you are bored by being a Christian. Okay? So these things are like, it's, it's like, you know that even during the COVID time, people started testing how not to go to church and then it's an online thing. And now you think it's a burden to go to church. Huh? You've lost your first love. Maybe let's land with Matthew chapter 12. 
We'll pick it up from here next time. Because I'm talking about the cost of following Jesus. You've got to be prepared to pay the price. It's not even great price because it's not even with your life. There are people who are paying the price with their own lives to follow Jesus. In many countries, they are being tortured. But for us, it's these simple things. They should really not take away our attention from the Lord. But Matthew chapter 24, verse 12 to 14 in the NIV. Want us to land with this one just for today, and then we'll pick it up. He says, it's Jesus. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Did you see that? The love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So he is saying the end is coming. But unfortunately the love of many is growing cold. And when your love for God grows cold. In other words you need to look at your graph. From the day that I accepted the Lord up to now. Is my graph going like this? Is my graph going like this to show that I'm growing? I'm getting deeper to know God. I'm loving him even more than before. Or you started like this and you're going this way. So he says the love of many will grow cold. It means there are people who started well. And their love for God now is going this way. Many things have come in and they are choking the weight. They are choking the good treasure that you have. May we treasure the kingdom more than anything else. May we have this thing that every time even when I wake up. I'm thinking about the kingdom. I'm occupied about the kingdom. The other time I told you. We are all here addicted to something. There is something that you treasure most. Okay? There are times people will tell you you don't have a weekend. But how many of you know that even people in the world, they don't all have a weekend? They are busy with their things. Wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So when you see me doing what I'm doing for the Lord, it's because that's where my treasure is. I have found a treasure, like that verse that we started with, which says, the kingdom of God is like a treasure hid in a field. Which when you find it, you go and sell everything to get that treasure. Amen. I'm putting that challenge to all of us, as we are going to pray. The challenge, for those of us who have always been in the Lord, you just need to check, are there no weeds Thorns that are choking your love for God. Things that are now starting to take your attention more than the kingdom and weed them off. So we're going to get time now to pray. God knows. So it means when this word is coming and in your heart you realize the Holy Spirit tells you is that and that and that. Deal with it. Amen. But there are also those Who've never tested this treasure. That's why maybe you can't be as committed as all that. Because some of you were just born in church. You know the thing, especially in those churches where they don't believe in being born again. No, I was born in church. So it means I'm fine. No wonder 
the way you behave. You, you didn't receive the treasure. There's nothing to trade off. But if you really have a treasure, you are going to guard it with all your heart. Paul says, guard your salvation or work out your salvation with trembling and fear. Amen. Work out your salvation, guard your salvation with trembling and fear. Jesus even says, don't take the pearls and throw them to the swine. Treasure what you have. If you indeed have received the treasure, may you treasure that above everything else. The Bible says, I've esteemed your word more than my necessary food. I treasure you with all my heart. So I'm saying, those are the calls and you, on your own, you know, are the ways that you need to deal with. Deal with them. Denounce them. Say, I want to bear fruit for the Lord. These weeds were now starting to choke my walk with God. I'm prepared to get rid of them because I treasure God more than anything else. Secondly, it's those that say, I haven't been very serious because I didn't even have any treasure. There is a treasure. The kingdom of God is like a treasure. Let me read that verse that we started with. And then we are going to pray. And if you know you need this treasure, you will see me after church. I can pray with you. And help you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Amen. Matthew 13, 44 to 46, Amplified Classic. Then the kingdom of heaven is like something precious buried in a field, which a man found and hid again. Then in his joy he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. It's so precious that this man was prepared to trade anything else for the sake of the kingdom. So because some of you, when we make a call for you to come to the Lord, you keep on thinking, what about that pastor? I still have this to sort. I still have that to sort. I need, what about this? What about that? What about that? You will become like that foolish man. You remember the foolish man that Jesus referred to who said, now it's time to enjoy myself. And then the soul was demanded from him that very night. And he says, you are foolish because you are not treasuring your relationship with God first. So we can stand up, thank God for the word that we've had, and pray whichever way that you are led to pray in line with what we are sharing today. In Jesus' name.